Hi everyone, this is Caleb, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the Learner's Corner. And today I am honored to be joined by two guests. One is Richard Foster, and the other one is his friend, Brenda Quinn. Richard Foster is the author of many well-known books, including The Celebration of Discipline. And today we're going to talk with him about his most recent book, which is Learning Humility. And we're going to talk with Brenda Quinn as well, who helped contribute to the book as well and uh, just helped him through all of that process. Now, if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast or whether or not you've been, maybe you've been listening for a while and you want to continue to continue to learn and grow and follow your curiosity, one of the best things you could do is subscribe to my newsletter where I give you all of the different things that I have been learning from recently, the things that are capturing my attention, some of the things that I'm interested in just spending a little bit more time learning about. And it could be books or podcasts or movies or literally just anything, anything that is capturing or has has captured my attention in some form or way. And I do want to let you know about a couple other things that inform pretty much everything that we do here on the podcast is we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations, which humility goes into that, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. Humility really just goes into a lot of what we talk about here in the learner's corner and really is an essential component of being a lifelong learner. But we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, regardless of who that is, from anything and from everything, whether it's something serious or not very serious at all. And we do that because we want to be the person who was there for us, who may be invested in us, or we wish that we had someone who had invested in us, and we want to return the favor to the next generation. So that's just a little bit about who we are on the podcast. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Richard and Brenda, and then we will dive into our conversation. So Richard Foster is the founder of Renovare. He is the author of several books, including Streams of Living Water, Prayer, Freedom of Simplicity, Sanctuary of the Soul, and Celebration of Discipline, which has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. He is co-author of Longing for God, and he and his wife, Carolyn, make their home near Denver, Colorado. Now, his friend and uh, his friend, Brenda Quinn, who also contributed to the book, is a pastor of for a spiritual formation in the Foursquare Church and a writer of many years. She is the author of the character profiles in the Life with God Bible. And without any further wait, here is our conversation about learning humility. Well, Richard and Brenda, it is so good to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to be with you. (laughs) Great. Well, hey, just as we're getting started, you know, one of the places that I normally like to begin these conversations is I love hearing the story behind works of art. And I would just love to hear how both of you, well, Richard, you you wrote the book and then Brenda, you got involved in the process of it too. And so Richard, I'd love to just hear how this book started with you and then Brenda, how you got involved in this process. Let me start and let Brenda jump in. For some time, I mean, several years, I was thinking about the disappearance of humility as a virtue in our culture and why that was the case because i knew from uh, the great devotional writers how much they valued humility as a kind of foundational discipline or virtue for all the virtues so they had this great high value of it and today I use the word, it's disappearing, not that it's completely lost, because we can find people with this quality. But I wondered why it was not thought well of. And then as I was thinking about that, I came up on a New Year's Eve, and 
<laughs> Someone had given me a uh, a little um, uh, book, uh, you know, a journal, uh, bright red. <laughs> it was really funny. And uh, I was just thinking about any New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't like these because, uh, you know, they last a week and a half and they don't, you know, produce anything really most most of the time. But as I was thinking about that, I just had a, this distinct sense of being addressed. It was as if the Lord was saying, learn humility, just those two words, learn humility. And I thought, oh, this is something to pay attention to, perhaps for myself. Here I am thinking about the culture, but what about me? And uh, so I began writing. And because of I just had that journal, I just started writing, jotting notes up one side and down the other. I seldom write across <laughs> very well. But as I was going, and it was a kind of, I mean, there was a, a journal aspect and uh, almost a stream of consciousness writing just as I experienced things just to record. And then I began to think, I, I I don't know, maybe this has some merit, some value for other people. But I better ask some folks who really know about writing. Um, is this, it's a very different style than I'm used to. Does it have any value? So then, here's Brenda, uh, who's been an author and uh, is an author and has worked with major writers and and several other people in just a little circle, what Brenda, five or six of us. And uh and Brenda kept sending back when I'd write a chapter and send it out, she would have these these very helpful uh, quote, I mean uh, statements and corrections and directions that this may take us. And so then when later we ended up with a, a book and I knew that there would be these times, like with you, Caleb, I thought, oh man, I need help. I'm, I'm an old man now. And uh, so I asked Brenda to help out. So Brenda, you take the story. Well, I, I just, thought it was great to be able to get in on the, you know, first uh, ground floor of this book and his just um, journaling and trying to determine whether this could even turn into a book. And mm -hmm. Richard and I had worked together previously, previous years. And so it was just fun to be part of the team and read a little bit as he wrote. And there were long periods in between chapters. And um, it wasn't like we got to read a, a whole book, you know, within one year, it, it was a few years of writing, but it was fun through different seasons and different things happening in the world at the time. Cause it was during COVID that, that the beginnings of the book was starting and um, Richard just wrote and we got to read and reflect. And it was kind of nice to do that over a longer period of time, because I think it really helped us get into this topic of humility and think about it as we lived our lives and watched what was happening in the culture and, um, it probably helped us give some more maybe nuanced and uh, deeper responses to the writing. Mm -hmm. And and Brenda is a pastor at a church, past, the pastor of spiritual formation. And so uh, she's interacting with a congregation all the time and people's lives. And mm -hmm. so... I just wanted that emphasis to be part of our uh, conversations that we have about the book like this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'd be curious to know, like the, the book is written very differently than, than the other books that you've written. It very much does. It feels like you were reading your journal as you were going through this and like, you were very much like, Oh, you decide to read this today. You journal about this. You come across this today. You journal about this. Talk to me about how it was like, like writing that style because it just, it feels so like vulnerable and in the moment <laughs> of it too. 
it was very much in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted Brenda and others to give some assessment of it in terms of whether it's just something for me to do or whether we need to think in terms of, you know, once you publish something, then there's a wider audience to get in on it. And I don't know, Brenda, how'd you feel about what was what went on in the process? Well, I, I always love um, when an author's able to draw in both your own personal experiences, as well as the books that you're reading, the quotes, the research that you're doing on a topic. And I think you did that, did a good job of that. And different experiences that you were having as you were going about life, as the seasons were changing, as you were out and about hiking and just, just having normal life experiences, like we all do going to doctor's appointments and things like that. It, it seemed to, to just feed really well into the things that you were reflecting on at the moment about humility. And I think that's just the Holy spirit does that when, when we write and when we're committing a project to God and he's, you know, he's the one that initiated the project in you in the beginning, I'm sure. So it's, it's just a beautiful thing to see how it all unfolds in that way. Yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to hear, talk to me about, you know, it, the book goes along with the Lakota calendar as well. Talk to me, mm -hmm. Richard, how that, how'd you, how'd you get introduced to, you know, the Lakota and wanting to integrate it with this, this topic as well? Well, <clears throat> that goes a long way back. Part of my own background is Native American, although I learned about this very late in life, Ojibwa. But uh, just when I was writing, you know, sort of journal writing, uh, it didn't feel good to me to use, you know, the months we're acquainted, the kind of calendar we're acquainted with, January, February, March. And so I thought, well, um, I'd be interested in maybe a Native American calendar. I probably have, I don't know, 20 or 30 books over there on uh the native american experience and different i mean chief joseph was my hero when i was a child and uh, of the nez pierce and uh i just enjoyed the lakota calendar uh i love the the various ways they describe the you know the 13 moon uh months that they have and uh so I decided to use that. And then that led me, I mean, years and years ago, I had read Black Elk Speaks, which is a wonderful book uh, that this man, Black Elk, uh, he spoke it in Lakota and it got translated into English. Anyway, I had read it and enjoyed it a great deal. And uh, so I went back to... Uh, to learn a little more about Lakota culture and values. And one of my earliest discoveries was these 12 virtues of Lakota culture. And the very first one was humility. I didn't change the order. It was the, the, the primary one. In other words, they, they saw it as so central to uh, everything that they would do. And so anyway, that's how that came about. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned the virtues and I'd love to hear from each of you, you know, maybe starting with you, Brenda, talk to me about one of the, the virtues of the Lakota calendar. Cause you know, it's written a lot in the book and how that ties into humility. What's one of the virtues there that just really resonated with you or you gained a greater understanding of its connection to humility and how they work together. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Richard, Richard goes through chapter by chapter and talks about each one of their virtues as mm -hmm. he goes through, through the book. And so it is really interesting to kind of follow along, but, uh, it, you know, it's, it's amazing that their very first virtue, their most important virtue is humility yeah. and that that <laughs> one undergirds all the other ones. And, and they, they themselves describe how without humility, none of the other virtues can can really function, can, can really grow in our lives. And so what, you know, what wisdom that is from these native people who, um, 
you know, they're not reading the Bible. They weren't reading the Bible that we read. And they, they certainly are worship, were worshiping the creator, but um, it's such a confirmation that there's, there's, there's such a base importance to the, the uh, virtue of humility, but they, you know, one of the ones they talk about is truth mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. that without humility, we can't find truth. And so I, I just think it's interesting to look at every one of those virtues that are talked about and see that we have to, we have to enter into humility before we can grow in any of the others. Mm. Right. That's so good, Brenda. And for maybe it would be helpful just to give a tiny background. Yeah. What is a virtue? Well, I would think of it as moral goodness of character, deep moral goodness. For example, Brenda mentioned truth. When people lie to you, that's not a virtue, that's a vice. But when they speak the truth, or when you know, something like kindness, uh, that's a virtue. Uh, moral goodness. Uh, I'm sure your listeners are well acquainted with the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude. And uh, for example, Aristotle, the Greek culture studied this a great deal. Aristotle viewed prudence, which is just, what, practical wisdom in making decisions. You can make good decisions. Uh, that uh, He viewed that as the highest of the virtues. Now, <laughs> uh, Aristotle didn't even mention humility. <laughs> that came because of Jesus. The Christ event, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the teachings of Jesus, the uh, death, the resurrection, all of these things underscore humility. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was really good at this. I mean, when he described in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's talking about virtues. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, he understood and knew all of it. He'd studied under Gamaliel. He knew these things. And uh, so so the, the cardinal virtues, there's the theological virtues, of uh, faith, hope, and love. And uh, so uh, the, these sort of very basic uh, moral goodness in the personality. Now, how can that come about? That's the big question. And that's the question that Paul works on a great deal. And it comes about through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, the, these aren't things that we can produce. Uh, for example, heart, our hearts, heart purity, we can't change our hearts. We can't change anybody else's heart. <laughs> and to get, gain uh, love, that comes from the Spirit of God. And now God invites us to work with him in the virtues and bringing those about. But uh, but what we do is like uh, Paul's phrase was sowing to the spirit. You know, the, the farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the conditions that are right for the growing of grain. Cultivates the soil, puts the seed in the ground, waters it. But then the natural forces of the earth come overtake come and up comes the grain. So that's the idea in the spiritual life. We place ourselves where God can work with us, and then the Holy Spirit works in us 
a new life. And uh, you remember how that Jesus said, let your light so shine before everyone that they will see your good works and glorify who? God. How come we don't get the glory? It's because we knew, know that we've done nothing more than to receive a gift. That's sowing to the Spirit. And that's what we do uh, for the bringing of virtue into a person's life. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. One thing, or another thing that I wanted to ask you about uh, the Lakota people and even their history is I know that probably for the both of you, you know, going going through the book, and there's a lot of history, a lot of things that you can learn about the Lakota people in there. I would just love to hear from each of you of like, what's what's an event in history that really made an impact on you or what's, you know, something that you that you took away from the Lakota people that made it made an impact on you. And so, Brenda, maybe we can start with you and then Richard can share as well. Yeah, well, I really appreciated learning more about the Lakota because I, I didn't really specifically know a lot about them. We, you know, living in Colorado here, we live right in the territory of of Native American people and um, this whole Southwest area. So I definitely, you know, growing up, going to museums, you see, you see a lot about the Native American people, but I didn't specifically know about the Lakota. And Richard talks about, he gives a few stories about Lakota people from his reading and from his study. And I guess the one that impacted me so deeply was the massacre at Wounded Knee and mm -hmm. just how how incredibly sad that was. I, I, I don't know that I'd ever heard that history before in the specific details of it. And um, just the mistakes that were made, the misunderstandings that were a whole part of that happening, as well as, yeah, just the injustice that was done at the outset to these people and taking away their, their territory. And it's, it's incredibly sad. And I, as part of my comments to Richard, as I was reading and responding to his chapters where he shares some of these things was what can we do? You know, it just gives you a yearning to want to do something. What, what can we do for reparation? What can we mm -hmm. do to love these people? What can we do to somehow repent and seek not only, well, certainly seek forgiveness from them and from God for it, but also to just reach out in love to, to their, their people that are still around here and, and say, how, you know, how, how can we make up for this and love you and affirm your nation and the people that you still are? It's, it's hard to know the answers for that. Yeah, it is. One of the sweetest things was that this man, Black Elk, uh, when he was nine years old, he went on a vision quest, uh, and it was in the Black Hills, which there are many sites in the Black Hills that were especially important sacred sites for the Lakota people. And he received his great vision uh, of, it was a kind of the world coming together, the great circle of life. And uh, then, as Brenda notes, he he was actually there at the massacre at Wounded Knee. And uh, he was a young man then. He was also involved in the, the uh, uh, Little Bighorn. He called it the rubbing out of long hair. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he felt that the Wounded Knee Massacre, and he's, he was correct in this, that, it, that his vision that he'd had as a young, young person was broken. The circle was broken. And, uh, and that truly was the crushing of Lakota culture. The, the thing that I found most interesting was the Black Hills had was, you know, it's this, what, 200-mile oval uh, kind of rising up out of the prairie. And I've, um, 
most of us have been to the Black Hills and we know about, uh, you know, the uh, what Rushmore, uh, Mount Rushmore and all of that. Um, but the Black Hills was was promised to the Lakota mm -hmm. and then simply taken. Well, what happened was they discovered gold. <laughs> so it was greed and nothing else just for the taking over of the entire Black Hills. And uh, many years later, I don't quite remember, 1980 or so, when uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruled that the taking was illegal, it was wrong. And they, they uh, but they didn't suggest giving it back to the Lakota but to, to give them money and the Lakota people, even though today they're very poor in these reservations, um, refused the money because they wanted the land. You don't mm -hmm. buy and sell. Uh, it should be given back to them. Of course, that's never happened. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> You know, one of one of the things that uh, just it, it was a good challenge, but challenged the way that I had thought about humility before that you mentioned in the book, Richard, is you say, um, you know, there's this common belief that if you're humble, you won't know whenever you're humble. <laughs> exactly. Can you talk about that a little bit and kind of like your take on that and why that might not be the case? That's 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 one of the worst. Uh, what do we want to call it? Um, misconceptions, yeah, of what you, what humility is. That you don't know. You've got to be ignorant of these things and just let it sort of fall on your head. But uh, I think, for example, instead we can ask some questions of ourselves. Uh, when somebody succeeds, can we be genuinely happy for them? How do we have we grown in that? Um, can we, in a conversation, can we enjoy the conversation without trying to control it or manage it or get people to? listen to me. <laughs> uh, when we begin to ask those kinds of questions, we can know that most certainly we can grow in humility. And uh, it, it does not mean ignorance of it. Mm -hmm. it. It means a, what uh, I would call humility the word strength comes to my mind, a quiet strength of character that doesn't need any human applause. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And when we see, we can, we can identify that that is happening. A quiet strength of character that doesn't need human applause. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other like and misconceptions about humility for either one of you that just stand out? There are. Brenda, you start out and I'll chime in. <laughs> well, I think the biggest misconception and that the one that scares people when they hear the word humility is just that means that I'm going to be a doormat. I'm just mm. going <laughs> to be walked all over on, you know, by people and. I'm going to have no self-respect. And that's not really what humility is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you might be walked on, but but that's really not the definition of humility. Yeah. Think of the word humus, earth. It's coming down to who we really are. And it is, uh, uh, Paul had a wonderful statement about that. Let me find it. When he said, uh, do nothing, this is uh, Philippians chapter 2, do nothing 
from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, we could live with that for a while. Do people, do we see anybody with selfish ambition or conceit? <laughs> Paul says, don't do that. But in humility, regard others as better than yourself. And then he moves to that picture of Jesus. And of course, Jesus is the key model for us. So have this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself and took on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Hmm. So the wise old apostle Paul, he knew a lot about these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to go back to something that you said at the beginning of the conversation, Richard. And you said that, you know, whenever you were looking around and you saw that humility was not as present as in some of these older writings. I would just love to hear from the both of you of like, what do you think? And like, we know back in like the Roman empire that humility was not it either, but I would just love to hear your, your thoughts on like, what is it about humility that we sometimes resist or it just doesn't seem to be like the, the popular or the thing to do or to be. Brenda, maybe starting with you, and then Richard can give some of his thoughts. Yeah, well, I think it's partly, or a lot of it probably, well, you know, a lot of it's just human nature, that mm -hmm. it's it's our human nature to, to want to promote ourselves and make sure that we have what we think we deserve. But I think it's, it, in our day and age, I think it's also our culture that we just live in a culture where people are able to be very visible and um, people are able to promote themselves in ways, you know, in a lot of ways that have never been possible before in other, other centuries. Um, and, and so because of that, I think it can, it, it can put a sense of pressure on people that if you want to succeed, if you want to do a good job at whatever it is that you're doing, you should be promoting yourself and you, you should be making yourself visible and you should be putting yourself in the best light and you should be trying to control your reputation because that, that equates with success. You know, it, it equates with doing a good job. And I, I think, I, I really think that is a lie from the enemy um, mm -hmm. in, in, in large part, you know, it, it's not completely wrong in every situation in every way, but in large part, I think the enemy wants to just suck us into that taking, wanting to take that control of ourselves and our, where we're going in life and what we're doing and how people view us. And I think it just pulls us into a lot of stress and a lot of mismanagement of who we are. You see, in our day, in our day, narcissism is uh, valued even. I mean, mm -hmm. it comes, you know, from the Greek Narcissus, when he saw his face, in a pool of water and he loved you know himself too much and it is an excessive self-love that's narcissism mm -hmm. and uh it used to be viewed as something you needed to avoid today it's viewed as you know look at me <laughs> Yeah. Aren't I wonderful? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the celebrity culture is just so uh, uh, almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But for the Christian, there is another way. And the wonderful thing in reading myself and studying about this is uh, how much Humility brings about freedom. 
freedom from the need to puff myself up. Mm-hmm. Freedom from always trying to impress other people. Uh, freedom from this self, you know, this constant self-promotion. Boy, that's a great liberation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'd love just to ask the both of you because I think that's something that I struggle with too, especially, you know, being obviously being a podcast host and everything and like wanting to believing in the the conversations that are had while at the same point, not trying to make it all about me and both of you mm-hmm. and in your positions, I'm sure have had to deal with that tension as well. You believe in the message, you know, you believe in the gospel and yet at the same time, like you don't want to make it about yourself. I'd love to hear just from the both of you, Brenda, maybe starting with you of what has helped you like manage that tension between like, I guess like self-promotion and like self-denial. To... Yeah. Well, I, I, I've definitely had to wrestle with this just cause I've been in, uh, I've done some writing and been in the publishing world and that's a big part of the publishing world is making mm-hmm. your platform and making a name and having to, you know, do all these things if you want to be successful, you know, as a writer, as an author. Um, the thing that has helped me, I think, is prayer that I want to commit everything I do to prayer um, and lay it before God that I'm not going to do this because it's it's a it's a rule that I've been given by our culture that if I don't do this, I won't go anywhere in whatever job that I'm doing. But mm-hmm. I want to do it what, what re, I, I want to ask the hard questions. I want to ask, why am I doing this? Is, is this, is this what God wants me doing? Is this where he wants me going? First of all. Um, and then really it's, it's been a continual seeking to keep my eyes on Jesus rather than my eyes on the world and the world's way for, for my life. And, and really reckoning with the truth that Jesus, when, when we're a follower of Jesus, he's going to call us, you know, probably fairly often to go down a path that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not what the world would prescribe for me. If I want to take the next step in whatever goals I have or whatever it is that I'm pursuing, Um, you know, and not that there are any goals or any, any pursuits that are necessarily wrong in and of themselves, unless they're, you know, unless they're prideful, but I just think being able to hold open hands with my life and with the way that God's using me and say, I can take it or leave it. And you guide me in the way that you want me to use my life. And it's not about me. It's about you. And it's about bringing glory to Jesus. Um, And we'll take it from there. You know, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't have to make sense in this world's eyes. It, It has to make sense to you and what you're calling me to do. So I, I think that's the goal for all of us. And it's, you know, it's a day by day walk. It's an hour by hour walk, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brenda, you've said it so well. I'll just add, uh, it's really interesting to read the Gospels and watch how often Jesus tried to avoid publicity. He tried to avoid self-promotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that for yeah. church planting? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no uh, billboards. No. Uh, <laughs> no radio spots. No, just yeah. <laughs> yep. No social media I'll account. No you. nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I want to go back to a couple of um, the virtues and ask you about them. You know, one in particular that really stood out to me was you talk about the relationship between humility and service as well. Mm -hmm. Could you tease that out a little bit, Richard? Well, it's so simple. What does service do? What is it? What's its function? It's to give attention to somebody else. So I'm turning away from me to whoever is in front of me and and serving them 
gets the attention away from, you know, what do you think of me? How do you feel? And and that's why service is such a valuable um, virtue in in uh, in nurturing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of indirection. I don't get humility by trying to get humility. I I go the indirect route, and service is one of the main ways we do it. Yeah. And then the, the other thing, and you write about it towards the end of the book, is the relationship between humility and wisdom. Can you talk about that and uh-huh. how they how they feed into each other? Uh-huh. You know, uh, that that ancient virtue of prudence, which is just uh, practical wisdom. It's, it's wisdom in life, being able to make good decisions. And it is humility that, al- it al- first of all, humility allows me to be teachable, right? And if I'm teachable then I can begin to make good decisions that aren't so focused, say, on me and how the outcome is to to make me look good. If I can be free from that, I have the wisdom to make good decisions in life. And that's, that's mainly the wisdom that we're thinking about. It's it's practical life. And just making good decisions uh, in our families, with our mm-hmm. children. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's how, that's how wisdom works. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I was curious, and this is, we, we've been talking about this a lot, but maybe it's coming out from a little bit of a, di- a different direction, is... I would be curious to hear for the both of you of like, what have you learned about pride in this? We've talked a lot about humility and pride is sometimes thought of as the inverse of it. I'd be curious just in, in your exploration through this, what have you learned about pride? And Brenda, maybe we could start with you and then Richard can give us thoughts. Yeah, um, definitely. I think for me, uh, it's very easy for us to look around us at our culture, in the media, everywhere, on all the screens, everywhere, and find prideful people everywhere. And it's easy for us to just look at other people and identify that in others and in the culture around us. And especially when we're focused on this this issue of humility for years, like we have been because of Richard's book and his long writing process, it's caused me to think a lot about humility and notice pride around me in our culture but it's just, it just, you just have to laugh because the minute you start um, identifying that and pointing fingers at others, it's, you, you notice it start to creep into yourself. Yeah. And, and you notice that no matter, even if we're specifically focused on this issue, we're praying for it, Richard's journaling about it, um, we're, we're responding it and writing back and forth about it. We're very conscious of it and affirming it. And yet still pride, pride creeps in it. You know, it's, it's a day by day walk with God where, where we have to be living in just continual humility about looking at ourselves honestly and saying, I'm never going to be free from this Mm -hmm. threat of pride. And it, you know, it's, it's still going to come in, in unexpected ways into my life. And we, we never conquer humility. You know, we never conquer pride. It's, it's just, it's just a continual walk with God and continually living um, submitted to him and realizing I'm, I'm going to need to keep asking for forgiveness for pride because it's going to keep mm-hmm. being an issue in my life. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of the great writers, Bernard of Clairvaux, what was it, 11th century, uh, a, a fellow asked him to write about humility. And uh, he did. He wrote, a, it was kind of a commentary on uh, uh, Benedict's seven uh, steps into humility. But then he wrote about pride as the opposite. The, the seven steps were steps up. 
and then he he wrote and and he said now godfrey you may feel that i uh, didn't do what you wanted um, because i spent most of my time writing about pride well that's because i can only write about what i know mm -hmm. and i know a lot more about pride <laughs> than i do humility yeah. and so he was very that, that was that was one of the first uh what uh, self-revealing things yeah and in writing well yeah yeah but here's the thing evergreece of ponticus said that uh humility i mean yeah humility destroys pride and i kept asking myself how i mean it doesn't feel strong pride is the thing that feels strong and so many people yeah you know we have an image of conquering and putting other people beneath us and so on. But uh, Evagrius had this thing about the, the uh, what was it, the magnetic attraction of humility to just make pride kind of evaporate. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. To think about that? Yeah. I don't know. I'm a little more like uh, Bernard Clairvaux. Yeah. I know more about pride than I do humility. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you got a lot of company with you there, Richard. Uh, well, I I want to ask two questions about spiritual formation to the both of you. But before that, I always just love asking: Is there anything? And I know that we could keep we could keep this conversation going for a really long time. <laughs> but is there anything just top of mind about humility that either one of you want to share? Think of the joy of humility that it brings this uh, holy hilarity into all of life. And uh, so we can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. mm. That's great. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's like all of Jesus' teachings, which are often so countercultural to the way we live life, um, if we're living according to our human nature and, you know, the way the world, much of the world lives, you know, how Jesus said, you know, the first will be last, the greatest among you will be the servant. And it, that's the upside down kingdom. You know, that's the, the upside down way of, of, of Jesus calling us to not live according to the standards of the world, but to live according to his. But really, if we can have the eyes to see that what he says is true and, and the way that he teaches us to live, it really is the fulfilling, real joy-filled way to live. Humility is such a big part of that. And so I think if we can just come to a place of um, kind of giving into it and as hard as it might be um, seeking to grow in humility, we start to realize that that's where we really start living. That's where, like, like Richard was saying, that's where freedom is. That's where the burden is lifted. He takes the burden off of us. Um, you know, he said, I'm cause I'm gentle and, and humble in spirit and you will find rest for your souls. It, it, it's really true. So yeah. Um, I think that's really that's really his truth in it. It's, it's really the good way for us. It's really us finding who we're truly meant to be. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I love that. Very good. <laughs> so I want to ask the both of you, what is an aspect of spiritual formation or practice in spiritual formation that you wish was more present in Christian community? And Brenda, maybe we can start with you and then Richard, you can give your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think one that I think about a lot, and I've I've tried to practice a lot ever since I I read Richard's book, Celebration of Discipline, um, the discipline of silence and solitude. I think because we live in such a loud world, and 
you know, all of our lives are different, but I think whether we have a very busy life and there's a lot of noise all the time in our life because of the busyness and the media and all of the online and everything, we just have constant feeding into our brains Um, or whether we have kind of a solitary life that, that maybe our life is quiet and, and maybe we don't have a job and maybe our family is grown up and we have a quiet household, but we can still fill our lives with noise because we're lonely. And I think that just kind of becomes the easy way to live our lives with a lot of noise around us, um, just just to maybe pad us from either loneliness or from really having to to sit and and be ourselves and be honest about who we are and and you know maybe to hear the voice of God and maybe to receive conviction or whatever that might be. But I think there has to be um, some silence in our lives for us to be able to become humble. Mm-hmm. Brenda has said it well. Solitude is the great teacher. Mm. One of the very first things we learn in times of solitude, it's that we start out with this fear, what will will happen to the family? What will happen to my congregation? What will happen? You know, the world will fall apart. And what we learn is, that people get along quite well without us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is a learning that uh, now God uses us and wants to have us involved, but we must first learn that we are dispensable. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. we, don't, we we are not. CEOs of the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we learn in solitude. Mm. Yeah. The last thing that I want to ask the both of you is what, try to think of how to phrase this, what do you, what do you wish your 20 or 30 year old self knew about Jesus that you know today? And Brenda, maybe we could start with you, and then Richard, we can end with you. Well, I think I was asking these questions when I was in my 20s and 30s, and because I was reading the Gospels, and I was finding that um, Jesus was different than maybe the, the little childhood Jesus that I knew um, in, you know, Sunday school singing, Jesus loves me. And and I love Jesus from a young age, but as you get older and and you, you have more maturity and you start reading the gospels, you start realizing that that it's hard. Jesus words are hard. His teachings are hard. And also he's, he's so unpredictable. And if, if we want to talk about being Christ-like, um, it's still a question that I ask, like, how am I going to be Christ-like when I don't even understand Jesus? (laughs) You know, I mean, I still feel that way even after walking with him for a long time. And so I, I guess I would just say you you cannot manufacture this on your own. Mm -hmm. The only way you can be Christ, grow in Christ likeness is by actually letting the spirit of Christ live in you and surrendering to him in a moment by moment way because I, I still haven't figured out Jesus. I bet Richard still hasn't figured out Jesus, you know, but, but yet, you know, have you ever been surprised at the way you responded in a situation or something you said to someone that was completely beyond you because you don't have that wisdom in yourself, or you don't have that ability to respond in yourself, but you know, it was Jesus, you know, it was the Holy spirit doing that in and through you. And, and all you can do is thank God that he gave you what you needed at that moment. And I think if we can seek to live that way, I think that's the only way to live as a follower of Jesus. We've got to live that way. And we, we certainly take back the reins, you know, mm-hmm. and take control of our lives a lot. But if we can seek more and more to live that way, I, I think that's what I would say to somebody in their twenties or thirties. Yeah. Very good. Well, for me, uh, Patience, Mm -hmm. learning the cosmic patience of God. See, I wanted to convert the world at least by tomorrow. (laughs) I remember once preaching 
on uh, Moses. Uh, you know, he he did the he tried to do the work of God in the power of the flesh, kill the Egyptian, and God had to tuck him into the deserts to learn to do the will of God in the power of the Spirit. And I was preaching away one Sunday about that and waxing eloquent. <laughs> and I I said, <laughs> now we want to learn these lessons so it doesn't take us 40 years like it did Moses. And now in our context, it was perfectly normal for people to speak up. And uh, my friend Dallas Willard about the third pew down he just said, I doubt it. <laughs> and it was a great teaching about the hidden preparation through which God mm. puts his servants that I needed to learn. Now, it ruined the sermon. I just it kind of fell apart. But <laughs> uh, it taught us about uh, this cosmic patience of God who can wait and wait. You know, uh, Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and humble. Uh, how's it go? Innocent. As a dove. Innocent. Innocent as a dove. Thank you. I could get the dove thing. The serpent thing always bothered me. What's the wisdom of the serpent? You ever watched a snake? It can wait. The serpent waits. Mm. We learn. We learn that kind of patience. Mm. And uh, that's what I'd like people to learn to yeah. early on. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for sharing that. And thank you both mm. for being on the podcast today. And just for both putting, putting the work into this book and for sharing it with the world. I know that people are going to want to pick it up. Where's the best place for people to go to get the book and keep up with the both of you? Go to a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it and online. Check, check out org. Yes. Yep. There you but, go. There you go. Great. Well, again, thank you both so much for being on the podcast today. And just thank you for for putting in the work and for sharing it with us. Glad to be with you, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb. Bless you. Thanks for all you're doing. So coming out of that conversation with Brenda and Richard, I think my I think my biggest takeaway from it is how humility and freedom are connected. That when we embrace humility, it doesn't all have to depend on us. That we get to depend on God, that we get to depend on other people, that we do not have to be the savior, we do not have to be the problem solver in it, that not everything depends on us and that leads to a sense of like just breathing almost like almost you exhale because you know that everything is going to be okay and that you don't feel like that you have to control everything that you have to control the narrative that you have to control people to get the outcome that you want because you know, or you think or you believe that it all depends on you. And so that's the big thing that I'm taking away from this conversation. There's, there's just so, there's just a lot to learn whenever it comes to humility. And I don't think we can ever learn enough. And so it's a fascinating, I just love learning about it because I got a long way to go. And, and I think the other thing is, is just managing that tension between self-promotion and self-denial and pride and humility and the tension in that, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about before on the podcast, 
of just dealing with that. Of how do you deal with that while not making it all about yourself? And so those are some of the things that I'm thinking about. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my newsletter where I just share all the things that I'm thinking about and learning about. And you know, it's funny. I realized that and I'm like, oh yeah, dealing with this tension of self-promotion. Well, anyway, subscribe to the newsletter. I only share the things that are most helpful there and the things that are just making me think and the things that I'm learning about. So that's all that I have for today. I do want to say thank you to Richard and Brenda for being on the podcast today. Thank you to St. Massey for creating the music for this podcast as well. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. My name is Kayla Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.